Would you join me as we plead for God to speak to us this morning? Living God, help us so to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. We're looking at James chapter 1 this morning. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me as a sign of respect to the Word of God. I'm going to be reading verses 21 through 27 this morning. This is God's Word. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, Deceiving yourselves. For if, every, if, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Please be seated. If you've lived in Southern California for any amount of time, uh, you know at this time of year there's a, an event that happens at Angel Stadium. Uh, Greg Laurie, the Harvest Crusade. It's, it's a, I think it's been in existence for 27 years that they've held this event. It, it's, it's an amazing event, really, the number of people that come uh, to this event, to Crusade where uh, they encourage uh, people, to, uh, Christians, to bring their friends to hear the, the gospel in an environment uh, where hopefully they can receive that message. The stats say that uh, 5.6 million, this is on their webpage, 5.6 million people have attended Harvest events since 1990, with over 476,000 people making professions of faith. Now, I want to celebrate that. I think that that is a great thing. However, uh, one thing I would say is that an event like the Harvest Crusade uh, can be potentially dangerous, and I think it's important for us to say that. And I think Greg Laurie would agree with us in, in saying that. It, it can be dangerous uh, when a profession of faith becomes uh, the thing to celebrate. Because the point of the gospel in our minds, we can begin to think the point of the gospel is to get people to make a profession of faith. We almost view the Christian faith in response to the gospel, kind of like the golden ticket in Charlie and the Charlie fact in the chocolate factory, you know, I want a golden ticket. You know, that whole idea that I just, I want to make this profession of faith so I can get my ticket to heaven, <laughs> right? You get your ticket to heaven and, and then you're good. You know, I, got, I made my profession of faith. I, I'm good with God. Now I can go along and live my life and not have to worry about it. 
And unfortunately, that mentality can get fostered very easily in the evangelical mindset of today, that it's just about making this profession of faith. And I think some of you in this room, you might be deceived by that message. And that's not a message that I want to communicate this morning, and it's a message that I, that I really want to make clear, I think, is satanic. I really do. I think the devil uses it to deceive us. I want to give you a spiritual warning this morning that we can be deceived when it comes to our position in relationship with God. We can believe that we are on good speaking terms with God when the reality is we're not. We should hear this warning, this warning that Jesus gives in his Gospels in chapter 7. Jesus tells uh, this story he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, do you hear that? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That should be a frightening passage to each and every Christian in this room. That you could believe that you are in good standings with God. And yet on the day of judgment, when we face Jesus one day, he will say, I never knew you depart. And James is telling us the same thing when he talks about being doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Now, as a preacher, I like to comfort people. I like to make people feel better. I really do. I want all of you to feel good when you leave here this morning. But just like a physician who is unwilling or unable to give bad news to people or difficult news to people, you would say that physician is not doing their job if they're not giving people the truth. As a preacher, if I do not point you to a passage like James 1 and say, listen, you are in danger, your soul is at risk. Your soul's at risk because you could be deceiving yourself this morning. You could be deceiving yourself in your status with God, your relationship with with Christ. You could be blinded, believing that you're spiritually good, and yet your soul is in grave danger. And so I have to ask myself that question. I'm not just asking you. I'm asking myself, how is my relationship with God? Could it be that I am just a hearer and not a doer? Am I good with God because I'm a pastor? Am I good with God because, you know, I've adopted a child? You know, am I good with God? Fill in the blank. All of us need to ask that question. What do we fill in the blank with? Maybe I'm good with God because I said a prayer, <laughs> a sinner's prayer. Well, the sinner's prayer doesn't save you. And adopting a child doesn't save you. And being a pastor doesn't save you. Jesus alone saves he alone saves, the living word. And that is the message I want to come loud and clear this morning. Jesus alone saves. And when Jesus saves, 
And when Jesus enters into your life, when you give your life to him, something transformational happens. A, a, a new reality happens within you. God makes this promise to us in Jeremiah 31, where he talks about putting new hearts in his people. He says, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. God there is talking about the new birth that happens when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and give your life to him. There is a new reality that happens within you. It's, etern it's internal. It's not something you necessarily see, but it is real nonetheless. And so that, that prayer doesn't save you, and your lifestyle doesn't save you, and your church affiliation doesn't save you, and your theological doctrine doesn't save you. It is Jesus that saves you, and it is Him who comes and changes you and gives you the new heart that you need. He re regenerates you. And so this, this morning, this warning that I want to give to you guys is to two groups here this morning. The first group is to those of you who are not born again. You've never given your life to Christ. You have not received that new life that he offers you. Your heart has not been renewed and restored through the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to you, to, this morning now is the time for that to happen. That if you come to God, you ask him and that you give your life to Christ. Ask him, throw yourself at his mercy. Turn from your, 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 your attempts to save yourself. And give your life to Christ. There is a promise that God gives us that he will come and that he will save. And you can trust in that promise. And so if that's you this morning, I urge you and I plead with you to make that decision. To ask God to do that now in this moment, in this time. Repent and seek God's forgiveness that he offers in Christ. And never be the same. Never be the same. So that, that, that's the first warning uh, to those of you who maybe need to hear that gospel uh, message with urgency, come to Christ, give your life to him. But there's a second group that needs to hear this warning as well. It's those of you that have already made that decision, and God has indeed given you a new heart. You have indeed been regenerated. You have indeed come and received the new life that Jesus Christ Offers. This warning is for you because the reality is you can experience that new life and yet the word that is within you, the new life that has been birthed in your heart, may not be a reality in how you're living right now. We're told in verse 21, there James tells us, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now I think... You could say that James is speaking to both groups there. It could be that James is pleading with someone to receive the implanted word for the Spirit of God to come and live within you with humility, repenting of your desire to save yourself and, and receiving the new life that God offers. But I think we can also see this as a reality for those of us who have received that word, that that word is implanted within us, but for whatever reason you're at a place in life where you're ignoring it or you're refusing to listen. And James is saying, listen, take off those old ways, take off those clothes. When he says, put away, it's, it's almost this imagery of taking off those old clothes that you used to wear, the old way of living, and walk in this 
new life that the word of God within you can guide you in. To rid yourself of that old way of living. To stop ignoring the word of God that lives within your heart. The living reality of Jesus who is within you through the Holy Spirit. Now, the question I hope you're beginning to ask, well, if it's true that I can't ignore that, if it's true that I can't turn my back on this, how might I know? How might I know whether or not I'm, I'm living according with meekness the word that's been implanted in my heart? And I think James gives us one of the answers here is in verse 22. He says, be doers of that word and not hearers only. Because if you're not a doer of that word, you're deceiving yourself. You believe you're in a good place with God, and the reality is you're not. How do you know that? How are you living? How are you living? Be doers of the word. And, and James gives us examples of how that might be manifested in your life. In verse 26 and 27, he talks about how you, you use your tongue, you know, to, to bridle your tongue, to, to be careful of how you speak. And, and, and James talks about keeping yourself unstained from the world. You know, have you adopted the values of the culture or are you adopting the values and truth of God's word and living according to that instead of living according to what the world offers you? And he also gives us this little line here. He says, visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And one way I think we can think about that is how do we care for those who are most vulnerable in our society? You know, if you, if you watched the news this week, I believe you saw this picture of this little boy, right, from the bombings in Syria. You know, if you saw this picture, you, I mean, I can't imagine you weren't moved by it, right? Why are you moved by this? Because of, this, is a, this boy is so vulnerable here. He's helpless. And, and there's a part of, with, with me, I'm like, who is standing up for this child? Who, who, is, who is fighting and defending this child? And it stirs something in you, and it should. Because this child is so vulnerable, and you're seeing the impact of what has happened to him because of his vulnerability. I'm not making a political statement with this, this picture. I'm just trying to make that connection that children in James's day, orphans, were the most vulnerable, some of the most vulnerable in his society, and it's still true today. And so we as Christians, we should have hearts that are moved for them, and towards them. And some of you might be tempted because of that to think, well, yeah, we need to get out there and we need to do. And sometimes as Christians, we can do at the expense of listening. You know, James talks about both doing and listening. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in the doing as Christians, we kind of skip the listening. But, James, you know, it's like, let's just do. Let's not worry about our theology or uh, denominations or, or any of those things. We just need to do and get out there and be an activist and, and, and fight for those causes. And yet James is not discounting listening. He's pointing us to listening as well. We need to listen to God's word. We need to find the truth of where we're supposed to go in what God has shown us in his word. Now, our community group leaders and hosts yesterday had a gathering, a meeting, and we were talking about our groups, and we were talking about the purpose of our groups, and, and the primary purpose of our groups 
is to focus on developing Christ-centered relationships. And it was funny, through the conversation, you know, some of the groups expressed concern about not spending more time studying the Bible. And, and you know, here, here's where I was wrestling as a pastor because we do need to spend time in the Bible, in God's Word. I think James is telling us that, to listen. We need to listen to the Word of God. We need to be directed by the Word of God. It lives within us, and as we read it, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. It resonates with us. But I think James, here, here, here's where I think James is giving us some guidance here. Uh, sometimes, for example, we can be in a Bible study and we think because we've done the Bible study, we've done the doing part, right? Have you ever felt that? You, you finish the Bible study and you check that off and you think, wow, I've really grown because I did a Bible study. But I think James would challenge that mentality and he would say, no, you've listened. You've listened and that's good. Now, what are you doing? What is the fruit of that Bible study? Now, I'm challenged by this every time I spend uh, time reading God's Word in the morning. I'm doing the read the Bible in a year. So um, in the morning, I'm reading four chapters. And this morning, I read 1 Samuel 13, Romans 11, Jeremiah 50, and Luke 18. And can I tell you one of the most difficult parts of doing the Bible in a year is that feeling... I get addicted to that feeling of checking it off. I read four chapters today. I'm, I started my day off right. Wow, look at me. And, and I think that I've done the doing part by reading those four chapters. And the reality is that's the listening part. Very important. Vital. But the but the doing is not the listening, and the listening is not the doing. And so the reality is when I, when I spend that time in God's Word, when I, when I immerse myself in God's Word, then I have to look at my life and ask, where is this becoming a reality in how I'm living? How is the Word of God shaping my lifestyle? Paul call, or John, or James calls the word of God, the perfect law, the law of liberty. And let me tell you, if you've ever tried to read the Bible in a year, it becomes a burden. <laughs> Those days that you miss, oh man, now I've got to read eight chapters. <laughs> right? You felt, felt that experience. It's like it's not intended to be a burden. Because the freedom... The freedom of God's word is the gospel message. The freedom of God's word is that Christ alone saves. And that's the freedom, that message is what we hold on to as we enter into that reading of God's word because what we want to accomplish in that reading is to meet with Christ, the one who has saved us, and allow him to work in us and be, begin to bring change in us. And so that's where the, the word of God becomes freedom because it's a way to please Jesus who has saved me. And it's not about checking it off. Now, as we think to apply this and what James is talking about here in listening to God's word, 
I want us to consider uh, why he applies it to orphans. Now, again, this is the area we have chosen as a church to focus on. That does not mean it's the only way. And that does not mean that participating in a, in a foster care organization or becoming a foster parent or adopting, that isn't the only way to please God. And that isn't the only way to express your faith. But it is just one way. And I want to make that connection with you this morning of why James points to orphans. It's because it is a clear, evident reflection of God's heart in His Word. Throughout the Old Testament, God talks about being a God of the fatherless. We read it in one of the Psalms at the beginning of the service. Another place we could see this as part of God's heart is in Exodus 22. Now, I want to make this connection with you and bring the gospel into this. You'll see in Exodus where it says, to God speaking to his people, You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. Now, look at what God is doing there in this commandment. He's saying, you should live this way. In other words, this is how you should treat, for example, the sojourner, the one without a home. It's because you were without a home. In other words, what God is telling us is that you, my people, were lost. You were orphans. You were outside of the family of God. But because of Christ, you are now in the family of God. You've been adopted into the family of God. And do not forget your past experience. This was a reality for you, a spiritual reality, that you were orphans. That you were orphans. But my heart as God, as your father, is to bring you into the family. And so to hear the word of God, to remember the word of God, is to remember your state, to remember who you were when you were outside the family of God and without hope and without Christ. is to remember your status and, and your story. That's why this example of the mirror is so important. James points to this illustration to make his point. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now, if you were to meet someone and you saw them look at themselves in the mirror and, and they would go away and immediately forget who they were, you would say, wait a minute, there's something wrong with them. And in the same way, James is saying, how could you, who know the word of God, who know God's heart, how could you, Hear the gospel and not have a heart for the orphan. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten your story. You've forgotten that you were once an orphan as well. But because of the love of God who pursued you, who initiated with you, who ran you down, you are now a part of the family of God. Should you not reflect that kind of love to the orphan, should we not, as his people? If we don't, we are like a man who looks in a mirror and forgets what he looks like. And James is challenging us to not let that happen. To not forget 
where we've come from, to not forget what Christ has done for us. And so this is a cause that we are pursuing. It may not be your specific calling. It may not be your passion. It may not be your sweet spot, so to speak. But if this is your church family, if King's Church is your home, spiritual home, then we would encourage you to find some way to participate and be a part of this.